Invest in your home. Dave Ramsey here for Low Country Contractors. Now's a great time to enhance your home with that new dream kitchen, bath, or addition. I trust Low Country Contractors. They've been voted Best Home Improvement and Remodeling Contractor by Mount Pleasant Magazine, voted Top Remodeler in South Carolina by Remodeling Magazine, and they have a 98% customer satisfaction rating from Guild Quality. Folks, this is a no-brainer. Visit LowCountryContractors.com. Hi everyone, it's Andy here and I'm just going to steal one minute of your time before the podcast starts just to take this opportunity to, to remind you all that we have the new show on KGRA Digital Broadcasting that's on a Friday 3pm Pacific, 6pm Eastern or 11pm UK that's available on KGRA's YouTube channel so go over, subscribe and remember to set the reminder or you can check it out on their Facebook page if you don't catch it when it first goes out it's straight away available on demand for you like any YouTube YouTube video all the time so please check out Dan and I over on KGRA we make sure the content is fresh and original from the normal podcast as well from now on if you sign up to either the YouTube membership which is less than the price of a good coffee or Patreon from five dollars plus you'll get early access to the video interviews too this is something a lot of you folks have been asking for which Dan and myself are putting in the extra work to getting out early now as well as the audio Also, as part of Patreon, you still get that early access, ad-free content, and that's all from around $1, $1, £1, whichever your currency is, and it all goes towards supporting what we do. Plus, it gives you access to our very popular and ever-growing Discord community. Finally, if you're on Apple, you can go to the podcast page there, sign up for our Apple Premium, again from a couple of pounds, dollars, euros, whatever it is you use per month, and you get the same ad-free and early access. That also comes with a two-week, no-obligation free trial, so why not check that out, folks? However, as always, if you just come here to listen, you don't mind waiting a few days or the adverts, then thank you. Honestly, I really do mean that. It's amazing how many of you listen each week, each day, whenever something goes out. So thank you. And please do keep getting in touch with me. Drop me a DM or an email to ufouapam at gmail.com, especially if you don't have social media, because so much, uh, so many more of you are getting in touch to let me know. You listen to the show, but you don't have the socials. So it's always good to hear from you. Anyway, let's get into part one of my interview with the wonderful Paolo Gizzardi. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. I am George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. 
Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and a few weeks ago I reached out to journalist Tim McMillan after he released a piece for The Debrief which he discussed the potential of Project Titan and some of the the outcomes from the San Marino conference and we heard a lot about that, a lot of exciting announcements as well. And in speaking to Tim, Tim said to me, there's one man you want to speak to and that man is joining me on the podcast today. He is a member of the Centro Ufologico Nazionale. He works for the Italian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and is the Italian National Representative of ISAR. That is the International Coalition for Extraterrestrial Research. And he is also one of the founders of that organisation. I'd like to welcome Paolo Gizardi to the podcast. Paolo, how are we today? Thank you, Andy. Very, very fine and really glad to be with you tonight. No, it's good to have you on. And I hope I've done the surname justice with my pronunciation there. So yes, yes. <laughs> I, I gave it my best shot. Uh, Paolo, uh, you are someone who, for many of the listeners, uh, your name has come up quite recently in terms of UFOs. And uh, you're obviously looking to make somewhat of an impact with the various organisations and projects on the table. Can you give the listeners a little bit about you and your background and what's put you on the path to the topic of UFOs on the international stage? Hmm. Well, Andy, I have to say that, uh, I mean, uh, first of all, I want to say one thing which is important, because I never, I never cited one UFO, not even one, not even health UFO, <laughs> so to speak. But, but in any case, uh, I have always uh, had a great, a great interest for this this subject. I mean, UFOs as a as a mystery, as a mystery in itself, and for the possibility of extraterrestrial life. But not only this, because uh, since when I can remember, I always had the how can I say the feeling, uh, the concrete feeling that. Uh, not only there must be someone someone else in the universe, but that universe, I mean, whatever surrounds us, in whatever surrounds us, there is a lot, lot more than what it seems. So, and, and this always fascinated me. I really, I mean, uh, feel excited to live uh, surrounded by this enormous mystery. I mean, I understand that this is, is something that can be, how can I say that? I mean, that no, not everyone likes this because uh, most of the persons prefer to stay on their own safe uh, corner, so to speak. While I am, I'm really happy and glad to to delve into the mystery, whatever. Not only UFOs, not only ET life, but also things like shamanism. Uh, or um, what ge is generally called parapsychology, uh, or things like um, the so-called reincarnation, or uh, the near-death experiences, or OBE, out-of-body experiences. I mean, uh, all these things are very, very, very much interesting for me, even though the UFO and ET subjects are, sorry, <clears throat> the two, that are most interesting for me at all. So, I mean, I never saw a UFO myself. I, did, I, I didn't fall uh, from my horse when I was go riding to Damascus. 
so to speak. <laughs> so, I mean, I never had, had an epiphany of sort, if you will, but I always had this, this, this uh, innate feeling that there must be a lot, lot more and that I want to discover it. So this is my background. So uh, if this answers properly to, to your question. Yeah, it does. I mean, it sounds like you've got a wonderful open mind to a, a range of subjects. And you mentioned there parapsychology, which leads into the, the paranormal, reincarnation, shamanism. Do you think all of these different areas, including UFOs and extraterrestrials or whatever these entities or beings may be, do you think they all have some sort of link potentially to each other? Indeed, indeed. You know, and the, the more I grow in my knowledge and the more I see that, uh, how can I say, it, it, it's a bit difficult to say, but uh, to say that simply everything is connected, to put it very simply. Uh, everything is, is one, if you will, and everything is connected. So the more... I grow in, in, in my personal knowledge and the more I am, uh, I feel that this is really uh, how, how it is. Now, it sounds like, as you say, growing up, you've always had a feeling or a, you've been pulled towards the idea of there being something more. Was there any particular event or moment? Was it a, a meeting or a conversation with someone, even in your professional life, that, that really decided for you that there was something out there and and obviously you've you've met some very interesting individuals i'm sure recently for sure for sure no uh no and really i cannot say there was a very definite moment well uh one um which was important was when it was in 1969 when i was rather young i i, I was born in 56 so i was 13 year, years old when with my father went to to the movie to see 2001 a space odyssey and that really really was something that that still today r remains very vivid in my mind and that was uh, was uh, how can i say something that uh, really oriented me towards the all those uh, thematics like um, space, space exploration, the possibility of life elsewhere. But, I mean, it was not specifically that, because as I told you, I always had this, this very, um, how can I say, Per pervasive, I don't know if the pronunciation is correct, feeling that there indeed there must be much, much more in the universe. Now, you, you mentioned you, you were born in 1956 in Bologna, I believe. Exactly, uh, you're fa right. Famous right. for its football team with a beautiful strip. Now, uh, <laughs> what is the view of UFOs or, you know, ETs in Italian culture? Is it the same as, as here in the UK where there's a massive stigma? Well, well uh, speaking in general, of course, uh, also in Italy, a uh, stigma has been has been the rule in mainstream uh, areas, of course, mainstream journalism, mainstream media, mainstream science. But the feeling of, uh, how can I say, of the people, if I can use the, this term, was not so, not so far away. I mean, was quite... Um, 
supportive of this idea of of ETs of ETs existing in the universe and maybe existing here maybe maybe because you know Italians being catholic has always been very familiar with um, other entities you call them angels or uh, saints i mean non-physical entities maybe maybe th- this is the reason so uh, but recently recently i have to say that this this um, situation is changing is evolving for for the better of course after the the start of the disclosure process which happened in December uh, 2017 a lot of things have already changed and and also in Italy it is already possible to see that things are changing I mean for instance uh, Roberto Pinotti you know the president of the Centro Ufologico Nazionale and of ICER as well um, he has always been um, invited uh, no he has frequently not always frequently been invited to TV shows and similar uh, but until until uh, a few days a few years ago sorry um, it was really the general tenure of the of the transmission was really low i mean uh, the other persons who were invited at this this transmission were really uh, very 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 unqualified people who in most of the cases just laughed at this possibility of ufo's and et's and so on while while in in recent months it's a matter of uh, months or one one or two years not more I have seen a definite change and pro- progressive, progressive and definite change in the attitude uh, of these shows. Because Roberto, he continues to go to 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 participate into these shows, but but it it is possible to see that the subject of UFOs and maybe also ETs is being treated more and more seriously. And this in general, not only, this does not only happen in the shows where Roberto participate, of course. But in, I'm speaking in general. They are, just to give you an idea, they, I mean, the Italia Uno is a private network of the... Uh, of the Berlusconi own network, so to speak. Um, this channel, Italia Uno, is broadcasting right now, these days, in uh, first, uh, um, I don't know the English term for that, but I mean, uh, at uh, 8, 8.30, which is the, the 20 hours 30, which is the hour where the, um, there's more, uh, more public... Time. Prime time, yeah. yeah. Yes, prime time. Right, right. Sorry, yep. I got <laughs> now. I got it. And this uh, Mister is called Mystery Land. This this transmission is broadcast in prime time, which is really something because until now, these kind of transmission, those very rare kind of transmission that 
were were broadcast were broadcast at uh, 23 hours or i mean not prime time at all while and, and they are doing this uh, they are showing broadcasting this this um, transmission uh, mystery land in prime time kudos to them i have to say yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear because over in the UK we we don't have that. Uh, it's still very much laughed at. The language in the media is little green men, flying saucers, something that's come up even recently in, uh, if I want to say, the more serious articles that have appeared in the press in the UK. They still use derogatory terms like alien hunter, and it's it's talking down about the subject. So it's nice to hear. Other mm-hmm. European countries, um, certain big countries as well, like Italy, are are changing the tone and the context of the conversation. And by and by the way, Andy, maybe I'm saying nothing actually new. Um, even the Pope, even Francis, Pope Francis, one day I think you know that uh, in a public audience he said, "But you know, one day if if you know if if Martians came uh, came to me and to see, and he said, yes, yes, Martians, those little green men with antennas and so on, like it paint them, huh? uh, those if one of these." Uh, would come here and, and and asking me, would you but baptize me? Uh, I would say yes, of course. So I mean, this is something that uh, really means something. It, it really means that I mean, the notion of ET, it is is indeed making it slowly making its way in the minds of the people. And and that's really important as well that the Vatican do embrace that conversation and that is mm-hmm. a, a definite tone change from themselves over the years. And I suppose they don't have an observatory for, for no reason because they're looking at something out in space. So that's always been an interesting one. I, I would love, Paolo, could you tell us some of the, the famous events or UFO events in Italian lore? What would potentially be the Italian Roswell the potential Roswell is rather easily said that happened in 1933. Happened in 1933, and and what is interesting is is really interesting, not just because it predates Roswell of uh, 14 years, but what is really interesting is that. Um, w- in 1933, in Italy, we already see all the main ingredients at work, the main ingredients that we came to know very well with Roswell and other cases. We have, first of all, the immediate secrecy, first. Then we have the cover-up and deception, immediately after. Then we have the scientific high-level study. So, in Italy, 1933, June 1933, we see these ingredients already at, at work, perfectly as it happened in the United States of 1947. And this is important because, I mean, um, just to quickly, um, just for for a quick recap of the situation, in 1933, northern Italy, uh, uh, a mysterious aircraft of of unknown origin 
um, landed or crashed, um, uh, this is not known for sure. In any case, we say landed in northern Italy, not far from uh, Milano and the Lake of Como, more or less. So uh, they say that this... um, this mysterious aircraft, and by the way, I say mysterious, and uh, if it was, if they called it mysterious, it must have been really mysterious because, I mean, aviation in uh, the, in, in Italy in 1933, Italy under Mussolini was kept in very high regard, and and it was one of the key. Uh, sectors of the um, of the Italian army in general. So, I mean, if they say that it was uh, unknown, it really means that it was something unidentifiable. Okay. So, um, what is interesting is that nowadays we have the copies of various telegrams which were sent by the uh, press agency. The only press press agency of the regime, which was called Stefani, Stefani Agency. And there are at least four of these messages which were broadcast to all the offices with uh, the highest priority and they were top, not not top secret, but uh, um, uh, riservatissimo is confidential were classified as confidential and uh, we, uh, today we have the, the the copy i mean we have the originals because um, most of these are owned by roberto pinotti himself we have the originals of these uh, of, of these uh, telegrams and so you can imagine that i mean just by the sheer number of telegrams that were sent in one day, I mean, four telegraphs of the highest uh, priority and uh, high classification that were sent in that day. So you, you can understand just for, from this fact that the matter was considered very, very seriously. So uh, then what happened? It looked like this... Uh, these um, debris or, or or this what remained of this air, unknown aircraft was con, was conserved in a in a hangar owned by the CI Marchetti, which was a uh, aircraft producer. Well, I, I think it was the main aircraft producer of that time, uh, where they were kept uh, for uh, for study. And and it is said that um, Mussolini assembled a sort of majestic 12, so to speak, which was called RS-33, RS like Romeo Sierra 33, which stands for Special Research, 33 is the year of foundation, which was headed by Guglielmo Marconi, by the way. And they tried to, and it is said that they tried to uh, investigate, of course, trying to understand what this device was and so on. And then what happened? Uh, Then came the war. At the end of the war, uh, what remained of this uh, unknown aircraft was confiscated by the, the Americans and was sent to the U.S. Uh, 
What one thing which is interesting is that in um, 2010, at the 2010 Congress of San Marino, we had the an intervention by a gentleman by the name of William Brophy, who said that his father was an officer in the U.S. Air Force, and in um, 1948, if I remember well. Uh, he had the, the possibility to see the corpse kept under formalin of two aliens um, of the Nordic kind, so to speak, uh, high, quite tall, um, pale, uh, wh- white hair, and so on. Classic, t- uh, the, the classic kind of Nordic aliens, uh, as we call them. And he said that uh, his father told him that these two bodies were confiscated in Italy at the end of the war. So this is something that was not known. And there, of course, there are many rumors, many uncontrolled voice, voices concerning this subject. One is that Mussolini, when he came to know and uh, very likely could have seen the these two bodies could have been led to think that they could have been german and so he could have he could have thought that if the germans have this kind of weapons of course we can ally italy can ally with germany and of course we will war uh, we will win the war very easily. So, but of course, the, this is something which I mean, they're, they're just rumors. So, take just take take them at, at face value. I mean, don't don't. It's not possible to to to, to do any historic check. Also, concerning the uh, the um, Italian Majestic Twelve, this RS thirty three cabinet. There are traces in these documents that have been uh, sent anonymously to Roberto Pinotti, and not only to Roberto Pinotti, but also to other, a couple of other um, uh, review, not reviews, um, how can I say, um, papers, newspapers. And uh, there are, I mean, in this, in these papers, uh, which uh, are papers of the Senate of the Republic. I mean, there is the emblem of the Senate of the Republic. And there is mention of this uh, secret, very secret RS-33 cabinet, which was meant to have top priority over everything, not even the, 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 the University of the Vatican uh, should have known, should have been informed about their findings. So this is the, this is for sure, um, the, the, we could call it the Italian Roswell, if you wish. And it is interesting because, you see, we see, we see that, I mean, we know Roswell. We know more or less how it worked. We know, we know the mechanism uh, under the, after this, um, this event. I mean, the mechanism that this event triggered. But it is interesting to see that exactly the same thing happened in the fascist uh, Italy of 1933, you see. So this is something that it, it is important. And it is important, Andy, not only for this, uh, but also because uh, especially for 
the the younger youngest generations or those who have just started to taking some interest in this in this subject of UFOs slash ETs, I would like to dispel the notion that um, UFOs and maybe ETs is something new. No, no, it's not not new at all. Because at at least in 1933 started, and if we really want to go, uh, how can I say, uh, in the past, we can see we can see a lot of traces of what we could call today UFO events, like the you know the Romans even had a specific name for these UFOs. They they called them Clipeus Ardentes which means fiery shields so they they because they also saw sometimes these these shields uh, most of the time they, they they were glowing and so so they they created this this name so i mean the again what i want to stress is that the phenomenon is not new at all it's been taken what is new is that it's being taken seriously, and that is new, actually, really. But the phenomenon itself is not not new at all. Thank you very much for sharing that, Paolo. That was a, a very excellent retelling of that story and the most comprehensive I've heard as well. And it probably does it a disservice to call it the Italian Roswell, given it predates Roswell itself. So mm-hmm. can, I, can I just ask, though, is there any... Any reason you think for the secrecy of the time? And obviously, famously with Roswell, the US military announced they had captured a flying saucer and very quickly changed the press release to say it was nothing more than a weather balloon and misidentification. Why didn't the government at the time just come out and announce what they had? But you know, Wendy, I think it's very simple after all. I mean, um, consider. Uh, when the Romans saw these uh, clipeus ardentes, uh, these fiery shields um, flying, zip, zipping across the, the skies, what could they think? Well, maybe, maybe something connected to to the gods, maybe. And if it happened in ninety, um, say in the twenty, in the twelfth century, uh, they could have been uh, angels or demons, most likely demons. So, and but if that happened in uh, in a civilization, I mean, where man already knew how to fly, so things change. They do change indeed, because because in 1933, uh, man already knew very well how to fly. Of course, not with the devices we have today, but they knew how to fly. So they knew how to build machine. They knew how to build a machine that could fly properly and so on. So it was immediately recognized the military technological value of these uh, unknown, unidentifiable, but definitely technological devices. So no wonder that uh, in, in immediately the secret was imposed over 
over the matter because, of course, there was a great, and there is still today, a great interest to try to replicate these devices, this craft, with this uh, showing these incredible performances. And the story in 1933 is like it was in 1947, like it was in, um, uh, in, in recent times. It's always the same story. There is a specific interest by the military to try to uh, replicate these devices because whoever could be able to do this would have found the holy grail of the military power, military air power. So, I mean, it's very simple for me. What sort of interest has persisted within the military and Italian government to do with this subject then? Because if what happened in 1933 did indeed happen, as you as you have told it and has as has been retold, then that would be something that they would have a huge interest in still, I would imagine, up until this day. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I think that this is a general general norm which uh, applies to any any um, any military environment which find itself confronted with uh, a crashed UFO. I think that whoever today is, I mean, today, now that we know that it's possible to build devices that can fly, now... In for I mean not not only for the Italian military, uh, not only for the U.S. military, but for any any military organization in this world, uh, military slash military intelligence organization in this world, each one of these will have a definite and great interest in this kind of device. And of course, this kind of device, uh, I mean, this kind of interest entails the secrecy. Because of course, each one, each uh, military establishment would like, of course, to be the first to create, to replicate some uh, a device cap- at least capable of some of these incredible performances, of course, for the final purpose of military air power, so military air supremacy. Um, I don't know if you've seen Unidentified, the series that we had Tom DeLong, Luis Elizondo, and I'm sure you're aware that uh, yes. a couple of years ago they met with um, some uh, Italian colleagues, I'm sure some of them maybe of yours, yes. and they discussed several different exchanges of information. One incident in particular, they talked about potentially being able to use a frequency to let some yes, of these yes. objects know that they know they are here and mm-hmm. they can almost communicate in some sort of way. What can you tell us about that? Well, um, I, I know I'm well aware of that because I was present at that meeting. And, uh, well, um, one of the most interesting cases that uh, we talked in in that meeting was what happened in uh, uh, the remote locality of Caneto di Caronia, it's mm-hmm. called Caneto di Caronia, three words, which is a very small village in uh, on the northern northeast northeastern coast of Sicily, uh, very close to the sea. 
And uh, well, uh, it's difficult to make a a resume on this because it was really something that went on for a long time, went on for uh, many months, many months at and with intervals. So it was really something definitely, definitely strange. It started with uh, fires, fires. In, in normal houses, I mean. Uh, um, but what was strange was that this fire developed poof, in quickly and uh, what was burning was not something that you could expect. I mean, you could expect burning something which is electrical. I mean, the, the, the electrical cabinet or um, the fridge, maybe because the motor has a short circuit or things like that. But there were beds, there were um, pieces of furniture, um, chairs, um, uh, uh, boots, even boots. <laughs> really, it, it was really something strange, definitely. So uh, that uh, the, and the situation got uh, got at a point where uh, the inhabitants of of that area had to be evacuated for for some, I think, some weeks at least. And there was, uh, uh, and there, there were many strange episodes that happened um, UFO sightings uh, also there was this um, event where an helicopter was apparently hit by something which uh, supposedly could have been a directed uh, energy weapon or sort because I mean the, 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 there was this helicopter which was not uh, a, a civil helicopter, helicopter of the civil, it's called Protezione Civile, it means civil protection, mm-hmm. which is a, a civil body. Uh, and this helicopter was flying over the area, and it, 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 it was a shuttle flight, nothing, nothing special. Uh, all of a sudden, they... Uh, the, the the helicopter was shaken like sort of an explosion. I mean, it was really uh, abrupt, and and it became difficult to 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 handle it, pro to govern it properly. But <clears throat> nonetheless, the pilot managed in and in any case, he managed to 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 do a safe landing. And when they landed, they really remained surprised because they they went to check the rotor blades over and they found a hole like this in the back, in the back of one rotor. I mean, and what is interesting is that there was a gentleman on the ground uh, at the moment of this event, he was uh, he, he had a, a camera w- with him, so he noticed that at a certain point this helicopter was behaving er- erratically. I mean, was not flying properly, as if it was as if it had a problem, a, a damage. Mm-hmm. So it, it took some pictures, and later when he uh, examined he saw uh, he, he, take, he took a look at these pictures he saw that i mean here was the helicopter and here th- there was a white globe not that far i mean maybe um, 1 kilometers 1 kilometer not more there was this white white uh, how can i say globe well it was not a globe what was i mean the definition of the image was not so 
not so elevated so it was not the not easy to 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 d- discern anything uh, mm. just just as white but definitely white spot i mean it was so what to say uh, it's not clear how um, a blow like this uh, capable of doing uh, this kind of uh, of hole in in a blade that could have happened because it, 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 there were no no shots i mean no no round of ammunition that, that were that were um, shot uh, the, there was not nothing and it was also the way that i mean it was not a perforation so to speak it was not a perforation hole was more of uh, you know, like when there is the when happened this uh, vapor explosion, mm-hmm. like when when a truck um, when a tree is struck by a lightning, the 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 the, the water explodes. Uh, so, and it was something which appeared like that appeared. I cannot say that it was. I mean, it, it appeared like an explosion of vapor, so to speak. Of course, you, you could very well say that uh, a tree is one thing and a, a rotor blade is another and does not have any, <laughs> any water inside. So how is it? Difficult to say. In any case, what happened? Uh, there was um, there was um, uh, a study, a scientific study committee, which was assembled for to to try to understand something on these uh, on these phenomena that that happened. They did extensive studies. I mean, not just. Uh, in different locations by different teams and so on so what they ascertained was not that much but was very interesting because ah by the way the the final conclusions of these of, of these studies was never made public by the way i don't know why but it was never made public in any case it was known that uh, they ascertained that these fires were very like very likely pro- provocated by the emission of very high energy, very high energy microwave ra- radiation at very high frequencies. So it was it's it's like the principle of, of the radar: short pulses emitted. And these pulses were very short, but very, very high, of very high power, and at frequencies very, very high, many, many gigahertz, so to speak. And what, and they had been able to triangulate to identify the source of emission of these uh, of these radiation radiated power, and they found it was around 60 or 70 kilometers north of the area. And that's fine, but 70 kilometers from the area, that's just sea. Yeah. So, <laughs> what to say? What to say? According to a gentleman who participated into this meeting, which was a show, which was broadcast in the in the unid- unidentified, uh, not, 
right? It was unidentified. Yes, uh, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So according to one of the gentlemen who was um, who was involved in, in the studies, apparently they found that it was a sort of um, controlled emission. I mean, it was not. Of course, it was not natural. It was a controlled emission. And they say that they had been able to somehow uh, understand how it worked. But um, that was not, I mean, uh, the, the real cause was still remains a, a mystery. In any case, in any case, uh, for sure, there were many UFO sightings in the area also. Uh, not only these events of strange and sudden fires, but also there were, for quite a long time, um, mysterious events which we could call, we would term them uh, UFO sightings, more or less. It was a very interesting conversation that I was had on Unidentified, and I believe the, the same colleagues who had had that discussion they mentioned that the the objects were in a stealth mode, I believe was the language, mm-hmm. and that they had to come out of any stealth mode to to fire or use any potential weaponry. How yes. how was that assertion made? How did they reach that conclusion? <sighs> Are you aware? No, no, no. No, this is why I didn't, uh, I do not want to, to expand too much because I really do not know. So I, I prefer, I mean, when when there's something I do not know, I prefer not to say anything unless I have a possible explanation of my, for myself. In this case, in this case, I really don't know, don't know anything more. No, that's fine. Uh, what I would ask, Paolo, one more thing on that. In speaking to your colleagues, while we never found out the public report wasn't released in terms of the classified information, were, was there a leaning that this was potentially extraterrestrial in, in origin? Or were they leaning towards a more man-made explanation, potentially? that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little and how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back.
has moments in their life where they need help. Real help from a real person. A true human connection. Tell Me What Happened, an original podcast created by OnStar, is a new series that tells stories of those exact moments. Every episode features a person needing assistance and a stranger stepping up to provide it. They are stories that will leave your heart racing and your spirit lifted. Join me for Tell Me What Happened, true stories of people helping people. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So instead, we're going to hire a professional voice actor and pay him absurd amounts of money to say, I like this product. Hmm, not sure why that was better. I mean, I'm a professional too. But we didn't pay him to say the business part, so back to me. Save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. Sorry, I know hearing me say it was a bit of a letdown. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.